Well, we've got a gem of an interview for you this week. To hear what's been going on at Google, one of EdTech's big kahunas, we sat down with Google Education Evangelist Jamie Cassop and Jonathan Rochelle, Google Education Product Manager and a co-founder of Google Drive. Yeah, that's no small feat. You'll hear their thoughts on the origin of Google's education products, equity, and whether Google will eventually pull out of the education game at some point in the future. Plus, our weekly roundup of the EdTech news coming up. I'm Mary Jo Matta. And I'm Michael Winters. Welcome to the EdSurge podcast. Let's get started. The most memorable learning experiences often take place outside the classroom, not in the lecture hall. So says Stephen M. Koslin, founding dean of the Minerva Schools at KGI. That's the same Minerva project that has been working since 2012 to reinvent the college experience. Students receive a mix of online and experiential learning, and demand for the school's limited places is off the charts. Koslin relates how Minerva's curriculum was created from the ground up to use active, rather than passive learning. And he illustrates his examples with some fun word and memory games. So you should definitely check out this article. Evan Stout has dual roles as the freshman dean and an Algebra One teacher at Psy Academy in New Orleans. But he's got a secret sauce to keeping his classroom organized, and that's Google Sites. This week, Stout shares his secrets to creating the perfect classroom Google Site and gives us a guide that'll have you organized by August. Stout is a Google Sites fiend and calls out drive integration, the calendar and search functions, and personalized themes as just a few of his favorite Google Site features. Another big announcement from New Schools Venture Fund this week, the organization will launch New Schools Catapult, a sort of an incubator for school models. The Catapult program provides school model development teams with direct financial investment, a cohort experience, and targeted assistance. The first part of the program, lasting six to 10 months, will support school teams as they prepare to launch a new organization. Phase two of the program will last two and a half years and will support schools through their second year of operation. For more information and for a link to the application, head to edsurge.com. And disclosure, New Schools is an investor in EdSurge. Blended learning has evolved throughout the 21st century, but it's hard to track it when you're knee-deep in it every single day. So Ina Cole took a long look at the landscape to identify the most popular blended models in its latest report, The Evolution of Online and Face-to-Face Education from 2008 to 2015. With several district case studies in tow, the report identifies four key lessons that districts should consider when implementing blended tools and programs. If you're curious to what they are, here we go. Create a school culture and climate dedicated to continuous improvement. Define blended learning goals and benefits. Examine and update professional development needs. And address both system and school level barriers to implementation. Look, nobody's perfect, people, so just be honest with yourselves. That's always good advice. Yep. And now for this week's kachings. <laughs> Language learning company Babbel has raised a 22 million Series C round led by Scottish equity partners with existing investors Reed Elsevier Ventures, Nokia Growth Partners, and VC Fonds Technology Berlin also participating. Babbel offers subscription programs to learn 14 languages and includes an app for the Apple Watch. 
Blackboard's acquisition spree continued with its 10th deal in the past 18 months. This time, Blackboard gobbled up X-Ray Analytics, a Washington, D.C.-based predictive analytics company. And finally in this week's Kachings, June was a hot month both for weather and for U.S. EdTech funding. U.S. EdTech raised $240 million in June across 22 deals and more than 33 individual investors. Udemy's $65 million Series D led the way, followed by Duolingo's $45 million raise. If you're interested in all the details, check out our Kaching reports on edsurge.com. Congratulations to those companies we mentioned and to all of the other companies that raised money this week. Now, we covered a lot for Misty last week, and there were a lot of people that we talked to. But one conversation that stood out came from Jamie Cassip and Jonathan Rochelle, two Google employees that have not only been with the organization for about 10 years, but who were there when big things like Google Drive and Google Docs first started. In fact, Jonathan was on the team that created them. Here, they are talking about their past experiences and what Google was like back in the day. Now, one note, we apologize for the loudness in the background, by the way. Isti is pretty crazy. Jamie is the first voice you hear, and he dissects what exactly he does as a, quote, chief education evangelist, unquote. Yeah, we were curious to know what that means, too. I'm the evangelist. So so we launched, I, so when it was a small team, a couple of us launched Google After Education yep. to universities. All right, so that's Jamie. Now, Jonathan was technically on the consumer product side, but somewhere along the way, he and Jamie started to talk education. Here's Jonathan. Then we said, hey, what works for business is working well for education. Jamie was out there telling educators you should try this thing, right? This, this is actually doing a lot of what you're asking for. And you were on the team when this was happening. I was yeah. on the, he, and he was so, more on the like evangelist, like, hey, use this thing. But nobody on the product side was dedicated to education. Right. And then, literally two years ago, I pulled away from the docs and drafting and said, let's start the product side of education. And this wasn't just because Jamie was asking for it. It turned out that teachers were already using Google Drive, but they needed so much more to support how they were trying to teach in the classroom. And how did the Google team respond? Well, they collaborated. Jamie's team put forth a vision, and Jonathan's team built it. The adoption of Docs in particular, uh, you know, the collaboration in Docs, was just used by teachers in a big way, but not because it was built for teachers. But that use case has always been for me as the docs product manager and then what happened was you know it's it's just that that was great for consumers it was great for businesses and it was great for teachers and what happened really was the magic that was happening between teachers and students was so incredible that teachers really went after it but trying to distribute that magic to 30 kids or 60 or 90 or 120 for a single teacher became onerous and so while they loved the magic in that one-to-one or one-to-many collaboration, it was too hard to scale. So at least that was the problem we found two years ago to say, you know what, we can make that magic happen. Magic is still in docs, but we can make that happen if we create a little bit of a layer both classroom for the assignment workflow. Let's make it so a teacher presses one button and bang, she's got or he's got one-to-one with every one of her or his 120 students. And that's driven a lot of what I talk about because I, you know, my whole talk about how 
technology has to be easy to use. It has to be manageable. It has to be scaled. It has to be invisible. And these guys are trying to get as close to invisible as yeah. possible, right? And so that that's where the that's kind of where the, the interaction happens. Yeah. But we, we yeah we work all the teams, whether it's the Chromebook team or the product teams, we're all working a lot more emphasis on on, on that collaboration that we're all building something around that concept that it's easy, manageable, and skin. So fast forward to today, and Google's got a number of teacher and student facing products out there. Google Classroom, a platform for educators to manage assignments, workflow, and the like, for example celebrated its one-year anniversary this past spring. And at ISTE this year, as in last week, the big announcement was about the Classroom API, where developers can create features for Google Classroom. And on the other side was the shiny tool, Google Expeditions, a virtual tour from right within one's classroom, as Jonathan explains. It basically engages a student to be able to take a field trip where their bus can't go is the way we think of it. But the concept is so real when you try it because what happens is like if you show a student a video of Versailles you know, or a video of an underwater experiment or whatever or something that's going on they really are like this you know they're watching the video it's wonderful that they're watching the video but they're not involved and they're just still listening to the teacher explain what's on the video and by the way one thing we should note the ISTE keynoter famous media personality Soledad O'Brien Yeah, she loves Google Expeditions, especially because kids can use it for career exploration and seeing life through the eyes of an engineer, an actor, and more. As we talked, Jonathan spoke to the relevance that Jamie agrees with, that the teacher is a major part of any Google education product, and that actually Google Expeditions is really just improving on the cool things that some teachers were already doing in the classroom with Google Maps. I remember a couple years before... Some teacher was t- explaining to me how they use uh, Google Earth in the classroom, mm. and yeah. and they took, um, you know, remember in watching Wild Kingdom or wherever those were, they tagged the animals, but you never knew what happened to those animals. All that data is in Google Earth, mm. right? You can track animals in Google Earth. So she was telling how she was teaching a hist- uh, sorry, an English class by tracking a group of sharks, right? And one of them went this way, and so oh, the yeah. assignment was. What happened to that shark? Why did that shark deviate? Yeah, mm-hmm. and that was his assignment. But now, imagine that same class putting on the glasses with all the visual exactly. of like following the shark yeah. and, and then creating a story from that. Mm-hmm. Because of all this, the Google Education team opens itself up to changes because the users know best. And the more we talked, the more it seemed that Jonathan and Jamie both agreed on the importance of feedback from teachers, uh, especially when it comes to being able to iterate quickly and effectively. So that that's the idea. That's a culture, right? It's that shift to think that there is no there is no education classroom that's perfect. It's this constant iteration and innovation. And one thing that when I do my Zoom presentations and I talk about classroom, I encourage all the teachers to go into the feedback button. Oh yeah, because because technology has this bad rap. That like the feedback button is the black hole of wherever, right? Nobody's reading this stuff. But who do I, you think has it has a bad rap with the users or with the no, just companies? in general? Like just you know, in general. every time you hit feedback, like what happens to that feedback? Yeah, right? And you think about like your own view. Like right. if you hit a feedback button, you enter, hey, I thought blah blah blah. You probably you know, like, think, like, reading this, right? Mm-hmm. Here, there's a you know, Jan and the team so are actually the classroom team has changed. They're like, like reading every like line of feedback and incorporating that feedback into what into feature requests and those things. So I encourage teachers to, to always hit that feedback button and provide feedback 
whether it's an idea, whether it's, it's, a, it's an issue, a bug, you know, whatever it is so that that team knows. Yeah. But whether the Google team really listens to the educator or not, there's one major debate we received from a number of attendees at our EdSurge Apple versus Google debate in San Francisco a few weeks back. And it has to do with whether Google education is going to stick around for the long term. So then in terms of, you know, revenue, some some people have asked me if I think that at some point Google is going to pull the plug on all this or just scale back what they're doing. Do you think that's going to happen? How is this effort being supported? Yes, Google has money coming from other streams, but do you think you will ever pull the plug? I just, I get that question. I've had that question for nine years. I'm sure you right? have. And, and I would say, one, even if Jonathan and I go away and teams disappear, everything here disappears, Google would still be involved in education, right? We're, information equals education. And Google would be involved in education, whether we like it or not, right? Search is part of education. Information is part of education. So that's part one. The second part is a lot of these things that that that, uh, that students do, they would be doing anyway, right? So Gmail is free on the consumer side. It's supported by us. So what we did isn't, it's not that it's costing us more data center space and all that, because it's minimal. It's that we just took the ads out of it. Mm. And, and, and and if we need to start putting ads back into Gmail in education, then we have some much bigger problems to deal with, right? So something else is bigger, right? And so I think there's a lot of time that happens before we're like, oh my God, if we don't put we don't put ads in education, right. we're gonna die, right? <laughs> we're so far from that that I'm not worried about it. Now, that being said, I also don't wanna say we're never gonna not do X because that that works. How do you know? Exist, right? And, but, um, as, as long as you have people here, and, and we keep building Jonathan's and me and Zach and others, right? So I can, I feel for the first time, I can leave Google and I know things will keep going. And even more than that, Jamie purports that Google is helping to level the playing field when it comes to one key thing, equity. Oh, let me, let me say it another way. Education levels the playing field. Mm -hmm. Information is education. And Helping and teachers taking information and converting it into intelligence is what brings education to students. And I think that the web and the internet and the tools that get you there is how we can help level the playing field. Jamie is an open book when it comes to talking about equity, and we know that he'd like to continue the conversation. If you ever have any questions for him or for Jonathan Rochelle, feel free to tweet at them at jcassop or at jrochelle on Twitter. All right, well, that's it for today. Big thanks to Stephen M. Coslin, Evan Stout, and all of the other writers who contributed to EdSurge this week. And a special thank you to EdTech investor and entrepreneur Christopher Nyren. We love you. Who tweeted earlier this week that he had a five-hour car ride ahead of him, but also had three months' worth of EdSurge podcast with him to pass the time. Thanks for listening, Christopher. He's actually probably not listening right now because he's so tired of listening. <laughs> yeah, you are right about that. I could not listen to any podcast for like 12 episodes in a row and uh, definitely couldn't listen to ours that much. I think the only type of podcast I could listen to 12 episodes in a row would be if Ryan Gosling was the host. Well, we should work on that. Maybe maybe we can get him to start one. Ryan, if you're listening, please, 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 heed it. Heed it. Ryan, if you're listening, I, like, 
throw Mary Jo some love. I don't know. Do something. I love you. Anyway, we <laughs> wanted to give another shout out to our DILA Awards. DILA stands for Digital Innovation in Learning Awards. If you're an entrepreneur, a teacher, or an administrator who's doing great things with technology, apply now for one of our awards. We're co-hosting these awards for the second time with nonprofit Digital Promise. And we're so, so excited to showcase the amazing things that have been happening this year in EdTech. Or if you happen to know somebody who's doing really great stuff, you can nominate them today. Just head to dealas.org to get started. That's D-I-L-A-S.org. And last but not least, thanks to all of you for listening to the show and for reading EdSurge. If you like what EdSurge is doing, please keep reading and, hey, maybe tell a friend. And subscribe. Don't forget. Yes, that would be nice, too. All right. I'm Michael Winters. And I'm Mary Jo Matta. We'll see you all next week. This is the EdSurge Podcast. Thank you.